At Woodside Bible Church, we gather each week to pursue God by studying His Word together. In a culture growing in hostility, it's clear how far we are from what the kingdom of God should look like. As followers of Christ, it can be difficult to stand firm in what we are taught and what we believe in. It's easy to let idols slip into our lives without us even realizing it, especially when the world we live in puts people on a pedestal. In our new series, Daniel, The Clash of Cultures, we'll be looking at the life of Daniel and how even then Daniel had to navigate a culture who opposed God. We'll discover how we can put our trust in God regardless of our circumstances and how God is sovereign overall. Join us this new year as we study the life of Daniel and learn how to apply the truths inside this book to our own lives. Well, it's good to have you here this morning. If you've got a Bible electronic device, I'm going to encourage you to take it out and turn with me to Daniel chapter 6. Daniel chapter 6. We're going to be concluding our Daniel series this morning. Hasn't it been a good series for you? Has it been challenging? Yes. Praise God. Praise God. It has been uh, deeply challenging and moving in my own life personally, and so I appreciate uh, just the opportunity to preach through this. And if you're new with us and you haven't um, been able to connect through the Daniel series, you can catch up. If you uh, go to the Warren Woodside or Woodside Warren Facebook page, you will be able to go back and look at all the sermons through the sermon series. Feel free to use those as tools. Uh, usually, uh, our, the sermon from the morning is, is posted in the evening uh, by, by 6 o'clock or so. And if it's not posted by 6, it'll be posted on Monday. So uh, we give it there for you you to use, not only for yourself if you happen to miss a Sunday, um, but that's there for you to use as if a, a message kind of struck you in a, in a good way and you'd like to share it, feel free to share it um, and get it out to the hands of other people that may find it beneficial. So this morning, I got a question for you. When you pass away, when you leave this, uh, this life, what is one word or one characteristic that you want to be known by? Like if everyone, those that love you and they, they mourn you at your funeral, what, would, what is that one characteristic that you want to be remembered as? I know for me, I want to be, be remembered as being faithful. Right? That's the one thing. If I, if I do one thing well in my whole entire life, I just want to be known as someone that was faithful, someone that was consistent, someone that was the same all the time. I want to die and I want to say that I was faithful to my wife, I was faithful to my kids, I was faithful to the church, I was faithful to the Lord, to my finances. I just want to be someone that is faithful. But here's the tricky thing about being faithful, is that you don't just wake up one morning faithful. Right? It's not just something that happens in an instant. Faithfulness takes time and takes a lifetime. It takes time to develop faithfulness through integrity and character. You see, I don't know if you ever noticed it or thought about it, but our lives are a lot like an iceberg. I've got an illustration of one. Now see, I, I think life is a lot like an iceberg because there are two parts to our life. Right? There's the top of the iceberg that is above the water that everybody sees. Right? That's, that's who we are in, to everyone else. That's the face that we put on before other people. But then there's a part of us that's below the surface that not everyone sees. It's the part of who we, who we really are when no one else is around. 
right? And to be faithful means that both of those areas are in alignment. I'm the same person under the surface as I am above the surface. And if we get those two things out of whack, that's when we lose faithfulness or that's when we find ourselves failing in our character. But I want you to also realize that when we find that people walk through seasons of unfaithfulness, our faults and our failures never come from the top of our iceberg. Our faults and our failures never come from our expertise or what we get paid for. What happens is our failures come from the cracks below the surface. Who we are when no one else is around. Right? Pastors, don't, when they find themselves unfaithful, it's not because they, they don't preach well. It's because they weren't spending time with the Lord and the, doing other things and they find, started making compromises under the surface and then that bubbles up. Today, as we conclude our series, Class of Cultures, we are looking at Daniel chapter 6 and this is what I want us to be encouraged with today. I want today, I pray today is a deeply challenging message, but I also pray that it's a deeply encouraging message. So today as we look at God's word, I want us to understand that we're called to be faithful because God delivers. Be faithful because God delivers, specifically as we live in a hostile culture. Right, as we're going to see, as we've been walking through the book of Daniel, we've, we've been looking at how do we remain faithful when the world is against us, when our culture is against us, when the pressures of life are constantly seeking to challenge us to compromise and to change and to be different. Well, today I want us to see that it is possible through the power of the Holy Spirit for us to be faithful. And today specifically I want us to look at what does a life of faithfulness look like and what does God do through a life of faithfulness. We're going to see four main truths as we dive into the text today. So jump in with me in Daniel chapter 6 beginning in verse 1. And we're going to see the first truth is that Christian faithfulness exposes cultural opposition. Christian faithfulness exposes cultural opposition. Look with me in verse 1. It says, it pleased Darius to set over the kingdom 120 satraps to be throughout the whole kingdom and over them three high officials of whom Daniel was one to whom these satraps would give an account so that the king might not suffer, no, uh, the king might suffer no loss. Then this Daniel became distinguished above all other high officials and satraps because of an excellent spirit was in him and the king planned to set him over the whole kingdom. Then the high officials and the satraps sought to find grounds for complaint against Daniel with regard to the kingdom, but they could find no ground for complaint or any fault because he was faithful and no error or fault was found in him. Then these men said, we shall not find any ground for complaint against Daniel unless we find it in connection with the law of his God. And what we're going to see is Christian faithfulness exposes cultural opposition. Now, when we got back to in Daniel chapter 5 last week, we see that the, the end of the Babylonian Empire came down in an instant in a night. And Daniel was there to, to speak the words of judgment against Belshazzar. And while he's there, remember, Daniel at that time had been in exile, had been in slavery serving the king, serving the Babylonian empire for 60-some years of his life. 
And I have to imagine he's standing there and he hears to himself that the Babylonian Empire is coming to an end. Maybe in just maybe in that moment, he's like, maybe God, it's time for us to go home. Maybe God, we get to go home. Maybe all of those, because of the fall of this, this empire, maybe we'll get a chance, your people will be able to go back to Jerusalem. We'll be able to rebuild the temple. We'll be able to rebuild the city. But that's not the case. Because immediately we start in chapter 6. And Darius now is the new king. So it's almost like in an instant, Daniel goes from serving the most high God underneath a, a pagan empire or a pagan emperor. Now he moves into another pagan empire and another pagan empire. It's like the page changes, but the story's still the same. So now as we begin chapter six, there's a new king, a new government, and there's another clash of cultures once again. And when we get to chapter six, Daniel's now said to be in his 80s. Daniel's not a young man anymore. Daniel's had to live his whole life in a pagan, conflicting culture that every single day wants to crush him and to make him denounce his God and to follow after other things. And Daniel has this life of faithfulness. And in chapter 6, what we see is this new government begins this new government sets up its new administration. So a new hierarchy comes into place. Instead of, of astrologers and Chaldeans and all of those, now this new kingdom sets up its hierarchy structure with satraps. With satraps are simply overseers. They're governors of different areas. And so now over all of this new area, Darius sets up, gives new authority to 120 satraps. And of that, he sets up three to oversee all of those. And Daniel is a good choice to be one of these three senior positions because of his long service. He'd been part of the Babylonian uh, Empire for a long time. He'd been in some leadership power and in a position. But then he also has a benefit because not only does he know, understand Babylonian culture, he also understands Jewish culture. So you have Darius is like, hey, this is a good guy because he knows the people that we're dealing with here. Maybe he can speak into it and give us some wisdom into it. And so Daniel's placed in that role. And then as time unfolds, Daniel continues to lead faithfully well. He excels among his peers. What was it about him? That he excelled because he had an excellent spirit. Now there's something about that that makes him special. It seems the Holy Spirit had empowered Daniel in his life to do really good work, and his work was head and shoulders above the rest. We even see that Darius plans to make him in charge of everyone, make him second in command. And this elevation status produces angst and jealousy among the other government officials. So they sought to bring him low. They wanted to do him harm, and so they're like, well, let's find some fault with Daniel. Let's see if we can expose a crack in his armor, a place in which, which his character is not measuring up, in a way that he's maybe cutting corners. And they looked, and they investigated, and they looked in every area of his life, and they couldn't find anything. Because he was faithful. It says, no error or fault was found in him. 
Their only option they had was to come up with a way in which they could see him uh, honoring his God and um, dis- disobeying the king. Maybe some way we got to find a way that even in the laws that he walks in, maybe we can allow him to come up with a way that he violates that. And they do just that. Look with me in verse 6. It says, Then these high officials and the satraps came to an agreement to the king and said to him, O King Darius, live forever. All the high officials of the kingdom, the prefects, the satraps, the counselors, and the governors are agreed that the king should establish an ordinance and enforce an injunction that whoever makes petition to any god or man for 30 days except you, O king, shall be cast into the den of lions. Now, O king, establish the injunction and sign the document so that it cannot be changed according to the law of the Medes and the Persians, which cannot be revoked. Therefore, King Darius signed the document and injunction. We see the trap is set. They go to the king and they're like, we can't do anything about Daniel, so let's try to get him because we know that according to his law, he can't worship, he can't bow to any other god than God than his God. And so let's go to the king and this king, kind of still inexperienced, doesn't really understand that usually when you get counsel from someone, they don't always have your best interest at heart, but they come to him and they're like, oh king, live forever. So they're like stroking his ego and they're like, hey, you're the great king and we want you to be worshipped, so let's sign a decree that is irresistible Revocable that for 30 days no one is to lift a prayer or bow a head or bow to anything other or anyone other than you. So it seemed good in the sight of the king. And when he signed it, it became a law for 30 days. It was permanent, it was established, and could not be revoked. And as we're set in this place, I think it's interesting for us to take a lesson from Daniel. Right? As we live in a hostile pagan culture with pagan bosses, some, and we work in a pagan land, trust in the sovereignty of God and live with an excellent spirit. Can that be said of you? Like, do your coworkers look at you and say, that person has an excellent spirit? Right? Especially, I know some of you are working in, in places that are really, really hard for you to work. Some of you have great jobs, but some of you have terrible bosses. Some of you have terrible work conditions, and some of you are like, Lord, just get me out of here. If there's an open door, I'm out of here. But let us take a lesson from Daniel. You are where you are because the sovereign hand of God has placed you where you are. So let's not be too quick to try to get out of there, especially if it's a difficult position, a difficult place. But where we are, we are to be with an excellent spirit and without fault. See, Daniel didn't make compromises. Daniel didn't take deals. Right, that's the biggest thing we see happening in the world of business everywhere. People are always compromising. People are cutting corners and they want to make deals. Like, well, if you do this for me, I'll do this for you. Instead of just living faithful and constant. He was a blessing to his boss. Do you see that in the text? Daniel was a blessing to his boss, even though his boss was living a life in contradicting 
contradiction to the God of the universe. Right? Remember, Darius is establishing a kingdom for himself, trying to make himself a god. And yet, Daniel's trying to be faithful to this pagan god. This is how we're supposed to live. We're supposed to walk in the ways of faithfulness. We're supposed to work faithfully. We're supposed to be diligent in all that we do with a good spirit. Can the same be said of you? As it relates to your work, do you display an excellent spirit? Do you refuse to cut corners? For when you do, here's how it works. When you choose to live faithfully, you will be noticed. And not always in a good way. When you choose to show up on time, when you choose to do all the work that you're supposed to do, what happens most of the time? Do you normally get promoted? No, that's not how it works. You do the hard work, and guess what's going to happen? They're going to give you more. Because you got to pick up the slack for the people that are compromising and cutting corners, right? Can I get an amen on that one? Amen. Amen. Should that surprise you? Absolutely not. Should it make you angry? Absolutely not. Why? Because you're not one, you're not sitting in the seat of making those decisions. You're sitting in the seat where your God calls you to be faithful, to do your very, very best work. And then they keep piling it on, they keep piling it on, they keep piling it on. You're like, bring it on. Bring it on. All for the glory of my God. Have an excellent spirit, never allowing them to find a fault in your life. That's what we're called to. Jesus told his disciples, if the world hates me, Know that they'll hate you, for they hated me before they hated you. See, when we live a faithful life, we distinguish ourselves from the rest of the world. And some people see that and they hate you. And that's okay. That's okay. Because your God is big enough to be there with you and for you and is fighting your battles for you. Yet that's not, you don't have a seat at that table to make those decisions. Although we want to, we want to be able to call the shots and we're like, well, if I could just have a better boss or if I could, if I could just be the boss, well, if God hasn't called you to be the boss, then, then step back. Stop trying to be the boss. Stop, stop trying to speak into the boss. Instead, just be faithful. Work hard. Keep your head down. Do your work and honor the Lord in everything that you do. Faithfulness to Christ is a daily walk. It means that we are people of outstanding integrity. That who we are on top of the surface as our iceberg and who we are below the surface are in tandem together. We're the same person. You're the same person when your boss goes on vacation. All right? Students, you're the same person when a substitute comes into the classroom. You're the same person. That's what God desires from us. But it does draw attention and it does bring opposition. Second, Christian faithfulness cultivates uncompromising character. Look at me in verse 10. It says, when Daniel knew that the document had been signed, he ran around like a chicken with his head cut off and went crazy. Oh, that's not what it says. 
When he knew that the document had been signed, what does he do? He went to his house where he had windows in the upper chamber open toward Jerusalem. He got down on his knees three times a day and prayed and gave thanks before his God as he had done previously. Then these men came by agreement and found Daniel making petitions and pleas before his God. I love, I I just love this story. I love the faithfulness of God as it's exuding through all of this. In a situation that's faced with Daniel that should bring about anxiety in his life, should bring about fear in his life, what does he do? He's not flustered one bit. In fact, he keeps going on with his regular, consistent, daily practice of prayer. He's the same guy he was before the decree as he is after the decree. Now in verse 10, Daniel does show us his civil disobedience. He won't compromise and cave to the law of the land when it contradicts the clear law of God. For God had made it clear that we are to give no worship, no devotion, no adoration to any other gods. So Daniel must obey God before he obeys man. And he does. But here's a question we should be asking ourselves. How is it that Daniel doesn't bend or break when it comes to the law? What kept him from compromising or making deals in the face of the threat of losing his life by lions? Right? Death by lions is a scary thing. Right? You get thrown into the lion's den, they don't, you're not just instantly killed, they like nibble on your feet first. You're still alive. They nibble on your arms. You're still alive. They start nibbling on your face. You're still alive. Right? It's not a fun death. And faced with death, we see that Daniel does not back down. And what does he do? Verse 10, he got down on his knees three times a day and prayed and gave thanks before his God as he had done previously. You see, he's able to do this because he practiced consistency in his faith in the moments where it was easy. He practiced his faith when there was no threat so that he had a habit of consistency so when the threat came, he knew how to respond. It was like muscle memory kicking in. What am I supposed to do? Well, do what I always do. I pray three times a day. I go to the God of the universe and say, Lord, I need your help. Lord, in this situation, I need your wisdom. Lord, in this situation, I need your protection. And remember again, that at this point, Daniel's in his 80s. He's an older man. Would not say he's old, but he's older. (laughs) I told him that I get, the more I come to understand that what I thought used to be old is no longer old, right? So, So if you're 80, bless you. Right? But let's take a side lesson for this just for a moment. There's this thing that kind of happens and has infiltrated the church and Christian culture is that people think that, that once they get to a certain age that they can retire from Christian work. You might be able to retire from your job, but you're never supposed to retire from ministry. Daniel never retired. You don't say, okay, coach, Put, take me out of the game. I want to sit down. I want to, I want to sit in the pew on Sunday morning. And I want to sit and I want to soak and I want to sour. And that's what happens if you do. You become an ornery person. 
become a person that becomes very, very critical of all the things. Well, you think it used to be this way. I wish the church used to be this way. Well, guess what? We're not. The gospel's still the same. The gospel's always the same. And we need you. The church needs you. If you're in your 80s, the church needs you. Not just to come on Sunday morning, but we need your wisdom. We have young families and young parents that need your wisdom. Because it's difficult to raise kids in this generation. It's difficult to do the things that they're doing. Men, it's difficult to live a life of integrity. If you've lived a life of integrity and you're in your 80s, bless the Lord and thank you. We need you. Come alongside some younger men and say, hey, this is how I did it. This is how the Lord saw me through. Like, we need you. There's no retirement when we serve the Lord. And here's the thing about the Christian life. The Christian life is not a sprint. It's a super, super long endurance race. It's a daily walk. It's a journey of decisions. It's a journey of disciplines. And it's a journey of surrender. Right? The goal of the Christian life is to get to the end and stand before our Father and for him to say, well done, good and faithful servant. That's the goal. That's what I want to hear. And if that's the goal, then that means my decisions today, my attitudes today, the things that I do with my hands today are setting the course for that destination. And I need to make sure that I'm doing the things today that will get me to that point. I heard it once said, called to watch our actions because our actions become habits. Watch our habits because our habits become our character. Watch your character becomes your destiny. So many people think, well, you know, it's just, it's just this one little thing. I, I can mess up this one little time. And I want you to know that compromises, even the littlest compromises, lead to more compromise, lead to more compromise, and that eventually changes your character. Right? We tell our kids and told our kids as they were growing up, especially if they were like caught in a lie or disobedience. We're like, hey, you know, you're just caught in a lie. But if you're not careful, you're going to become a liar. Right? What we do today impacts our character. And so the little compromises that you're making right now are impacting your character, whether you know it or not. And your character is choosing the des your destiny. So if you want him here, well done, good and faithful servant, you got to do things right today. We got to walk in faithfulness today. We have to choose with our, the time that we've given and, the, and the, the, the abilities that God has given us to live for him. Loose living today will impact who you become. Daniel was a man who lived in check. He was a man that established healthy rhythms. How's your iceberg today? Right? I can look around, I'm like, man, there's a lot of great people in this room. I've served arm in arm with a lot of you. We've studied the Bible together. We've served uh, other people in the community. We've worshiped together. And man, from the outside, I know there are a bunch of you like, man, I, if, I was in a, if I was in a war, I'd be like, I want you to come with me. I want you to come with me. I want you to come with me. But I don't know a lot of your what's below the surface. So check it. Are you a young person, older person that has a heart of compromise? Do you make deals instead of remaining faithful? 
today begin with confession. Maybe for some of you today is you've got to go to the Lord and say, Lord, clean my closet. Lord, clean my closet. You already see it. No one else has seen it because it's all in the closet. We don't let anyone come into those parts of our lives. Right? The, the compromises that we've made, the things that we think, and the, the, the passions that we have, and the desires that we have. We wouldn't want anyone else to know that if everyone knew, we would be shocked and we'd be ashamed. We'd be like, oh, I can't be who I am now because of those things. Right? Maybe today, it's just, okay, Lord, I'm done. Clean my closet. Clean my closet. I come and I confess these things to you. I repent of them. And then choose to begin taking action that build habits that produce faithfulness so that when the pressures come, you will not fail. Here's some things. Read your Bible. I, I know that seems like so simple and that, that's like you go to church, guess what they're gonna say? Love Jesus, read your Bible. Yeah, yeah, that you gotta do that. You have to do that. You can't live a life of faithfulness and not be a person of the word. It just doesn't work. You, you can't rely on your past successes because your failures are just around the corner. Right? So we've got to be people of the word. We have to spend time reading and being reminded of who we are in Christ and who Christ is. So daily read scripture and pray. Weekly attend church. Make this time in your day the most important part of your week. Confess your sins. Like live in community, allow people, live so close to someone and to other people in our church community that know who you are below the surface. That takes vulnerability and that takes time, but it allows us for others to say, hey, guess what? I see you struggling in this area and I want you to know you're not alone. I'm with you. Work faithfully, honestly, diligently at your job. Be a good citizen by following rules where we can. Christian faithfulness is a long life. It is a long journey, and it doesn't happen overnight. Third, Christian faithfulness reveals divine deliverance. Look at me in verse 12. It says, Then they came near and said before the king concerning the injunction, O king, did you not sign an injunction that anyone who makes petitions to any god or man within 30 days except to you, O king, shall be cast into the den of lions? The king answered and said, The thing stands fast according to the law of Medes and Persians, which cannot be revoked. Then they answered and said before the king, Daniel, who is one of the exiles from Judah, pays no attention to you, O king, or the injunction you have signed, but makes petitions three times a day. Then the king, when he heard these words, was much distressed and set his mind to deliver Daniel, and he labored till the sun went down to rescue him. Then these men came by the agreement of the king and said to the king, Know, O king, that it is a law of the Medes and Persians that no injunction or ordinance that the king establishes can be changed. Then the king commanded, and Daniel was brought and cast into the den of lions. The king declared to Daniel, May your God, whom you serve continually, deliver you. And a stone was brought and laid on the mouth of the den, and the king sealed it with his own signet and with the signet of his lords that nothing might be changed concerning Daniel. Then the king went to his palace and spent the night fasting. No diversions were brought to him and, and slept fled from him. Then at daybreak, the king rose and went in haste to the den of lions. 
as he came near to the den where Daniel was, he cried out in a tone of anguish. The king declared to Daniel, O Daniel, servant of the living God, has your God, whom you serve, continually been able to deliver you from the lions? Then Daniel said to the king, O king, live forever. My God sent his angel and shut the lions' mouths, and they have not harmed me because I was found blameless before him and also before you. O king, I have done no harm. Then the king was exceeding glad and commanded that Daniel be taken out of the den. So Daniel was taken out of the den, and no kind of harm was found on him because he had trusted in his God. And the king commanded, and whose men who had maliciously accused Daniel were brought and cast into the den of lions, they, their children, and their wives. And before they reached the bottom of the den, the lions overpowered them and broke all their bones into pieces. This is not a story, not a children's story. Right? This is a story that if it were to be shown in the movies would be rated R. But yet, this is how we see. The king makes a decree. And the king sees that Daniel now is going to have to be thrown in the lion's den. And what does he say? I want to deliver him. But the king is powerless to deliver Worldly powers, listen to this, worldly powers are impotent when it comes to your deliverance. Your boss can't deliver you. Your political party can't deliver you. The next president can't deliver you. The only one that can deliver you is the true and living God. Even though they may want to, even though they may have the best intentions in the world, they truly cannot deliver you. And I love how through this passage we see a lot of things right the king wanted to deliver him but he couldn't because he couldn't go back on his word and so what does he do he throws him in the lion's den and the king is worried the king is frightened he doesn't sleep at all that night he fasts all night and he's like oh man i hope i hope i really hope your king or your god can can keep you safe i wonder what must have been like in that lion's den like the the lion's mouths are shut and daniel's like okay i guess we're gonna be here for another Seven hours? What do you guys want to do? Maybe he's riding piggyback on the back of the lions. I don't know. Maybe they're playing like little cats, you know, cats and mice. I don't know. But he's just sitting there. He's not worried. He's, the, the lions aren't coming against him. I know what I'd be doing the whole time. I'd be like, thank you, God. 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 Right? <laughs> That's what we should be doing, Right? Three hours and 45 more minutes. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. <laughs> but he wakes up in the morning. The king wakes up in the morning, runs down. And he's like, oh, my goodness. Daniel, did your God deliver you? Daniel's like, yeah, he sure did. I'm in here. Open the door. Let me get out of here. So he opens the door. He's like, oh, Daniel, they embrace. He's like, oh, man, your God is so amazing. And then he turns and he throws everyone else, their wives and their children, into the den. And they don't even touch the ground. Like, as they're falling into the air, they're like, and they're gone. Bones are broken everywhere, blood everywhere. (laughs) Not a peaceful thing. But I love how God shows the deliverance of Daniel. But I want to also even present to you, even if Daniel died, God still delivered. 
right? Deliverance doesn't always look like we think it is. Because we're not God. We don't get to say, okay, Lord, deliver me. Now I want you to deliver me this way, this way, this way, this way. You don't get a chance to say that. You can call out to the Lord and say, Lord, deliver me. And guess what he's going to do? He's going to take you in his hands and he say, yep, I'm going to get you through to the end. Whenever that end is. That's set by me, not by you. So the Lord does deliver. But I love how also this all points to Jesus Christ too. Because... Daniel, in this case, was a righteous man. He did not deserve to go in the lion's den. He didn't do anything wrong. Not not that he was a perfect person. But in this case, he didn't do anything wrong. And yet, he gets set up to go to a den and to be martyred. Which kind of points us to Jesus. Because Jesus himself was the ultimate sacrifice to fully deliver us because you and I are not righteous. You and I in every way have violated God's commands. You and I in every way have shooken our fist at God and said, God, I don't want you to be the boss of me. You're not in control of me. I'm in charge here. And yet Jesus comes to deliver us by stepping in our place, dying the death that we deserve, being raised from the dead. And now he promises that if we trust in him, then we have forgiveness of sins and we are made right with God. God is a God who delivers and he can deliver you through Jesus. Lastly, and we'll go quickly, Christian faithfulness sparks spiritual awakening. Look at me, verse 25. Then King Darius wrote to all the people's nations and languages that dwell in all the earth, peace be multiplied to you. I make a decree that in all my royal dominion, people are to tremble and fear before the God of Daniel, for he is the living God, enduring forever. His kingdom shall never be destroyed and his dominion shall be to the end. He delivers and rescues. He works signs and wonders in heaven and on earth. He who has saved Daniel from the power of the lions. Oh, I really, really wish the Lions were playing today. (laughs) What a great passage, right? (laughs) But I have been delivered from the power of the Lions. (laughs) Just kidding. I had to throw that in there. Right, Jesus, Jesus says something kind of similar in the New Testament. Jesus says to his disciples, says to you and I, let your light shine before men so they may see your good deeds and praise your Father in heaven. Right, yes, you live a life of faithfulness. Guess what? There will be some that will oppose you. There'll be some that try to destroy you. But as you're living a life of faithfulness, there are some that will be watching your life and they'll say, hey, tell me about, why do you live this way? Tell me about your God because I need to follow him. Right, remember, our lives are not just lived unto ourselves, but we're called to be witnesses to this lost and dying world. And if you live a life of faithfulness, maybe your kids will come to know Christ. Maybe your neighbors will come to know Christ. Maybe your boss will come to know Christ. Maybe the most evil, vile person in the world that you know might come to know Christ because of your faithful life. Now I want us to end in this place. And I pray that in your soul, there's a little bit of dissonance going on right now. Because maybe you're not a person of faith. Maybe you've never come to trust in Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. Well, today, that's the decision that stands before you. Will I trust that Jesus is powerful enough to save me from my sins? 
Second, maybe you've come to know Christ and you've been living a life of unfaithfulness. Maybe in your heart today there's been compromises that you've been making and you've been thinking that, hey, it's slept under the rug. No one sees it. No one knows. Well, today I want to encourage you as we sing this closing song just to do business before the Lord and just allow him to do the work inside of your heart. Or maybe you're here and like you're tired. Maybe you're just tired of following Jesus. Maybe, maybe you're like, man, I, I, it's so easy to go the way of the world. I would encourage you, let your prayers before the Lord be this. Lord, help me stay the course. Lord, help me stay the course. Lord, help me stay the course in my marriage. Lord, help me stay the course in my workplace. Lord, help me stay the course as a parent. Lord, help me stay the course. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for your truth today. Father, we thank you for the encouragement that Daniel gives us today. That it is still possible for people to remain faithful. Even though we live in a world where we see people denouncing their faith, we see people turning away from God, we see people turning away from their families, we see people running away from their jobs, we see all of this around us. And Father, I pray that your faithfulness would translate to our faithfulness as we trust in you. Help us, Father, to be faithful men and women that live lives of obedience, that live lives of faithfulness so that we may see others come to know Jesus. Father, in these moments as we sing, continue to do the work in each one of our hearts that we need to do. If someone just needs to come to the altar and bow and pray, God, I pray that they would be so moved or maybe they just need to make an altar right in front of them in the chairs before them and bow before you and take care of the business that you have before them. But now, God, whatever it is, help us to move and be obedient. In Jesus' name we pray. Thank you for joining us as we study God's word together. We would love to hear how God is moving in your heart and get you connected into the Woodside Bible Church family. Head to woodsidebible.org connect to introduce yourself today.